Ladies and gentlemen, it's 1989 and time for a gritty new interpretation of Batman, the Dark Knight, the caped crusader no more. He is now Michael Keaton. This is Raven Bat, the new Raven on Batman focused subsection podcast hosted by me, Natalie Bohensky, and a man who knows that if you smile, the whole world smiles with you. It's Stuart Lake. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Hey, Natalie, can I ask you a question just quickly? Sure. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> just casually? I'll just casually? You know. uh, yeah. Frankly, no, but I'd very much like to. <laughs> because it sounds good. Isn't I, it I, like that, I just like the sound of it. Yeah, I like that even within this movie, they lampshade that it, it means nothing. <laughs> Well, we are here to talk about the rebooted, refreshed franchise Batman, I guess you could say, yes. era that starts with the 1989 film Batman, directed by Tim Burton and starring Michael Keaton as the uh, man in black, not Johnny Cash, <laughs> man in bat. And we are joined for this episode by a very special guest, a man who I believe has some geek knowledge and who has some passing interest, at, at, at least in the work of uh, Bruce Wayne <laughs> slash Batman, it's Scott Driscoll. Hey. Hello, Natalie. Hello, Stu. How are you doing? Very well, thank Very you, Scott. Very well. Now, now, Scott, when we first flagged back, I think, last year when we were talking about Raven Bat as, a, as an idea, as an amoeba of an idea, a battling. I remember, I remember it, Yes. I think you messaged us very quickly saying, I want to do the 1989 Batman film. I did indeed, kind of yes. reserved it very quickly. Can you give us a bit of a quick summary as to why this is the one you jumped for immediately. To be perfectly honest with you, Natalie, the, the 1989 Batman film I've seen so many times and it's it's got a, this this place in my heart that just, just grows with every watching. Like, I love all of the Batman films, don't get me wrong, but there's just something about this film that just calls to me. Well, before we get into the film itself, because I imagine that Stu has quite a lot to say. <laughs> I just wanted to quickly capitalise on something that, that was doing the rounds on Twitter just in the last few days, which might date this episode of the podcast, but stay with me. Americans discovering that we in Australia, or specifically Southeast Queensland, have a place called Movie World, yes. which is oh, yes. Warner Brothers Hollywood on the Gold Coast. It's about mm -hmm. 30 years old now, Movie World. It launched in the early 90s and the idea was kind of similar to Disneyland where you've got all Disney properties and rides based on them. All of a sudden you had Movie World, which has lots of Warner Brothers inspired rides. And when it opened, it had famously the police, oh God, what's that? The movie? Police Academy stunt show. Pol police Academy stunt show. Yes, I remember it well. <laughs> Oh, I saw that so many times. At some point in its run, developed a Scooby-Doo spooky coaster. It had a young Einstein house. Oh, it did too. That's right. Yes. It was just like a house where everything was upside down because, you know, like young Einstein. Yeah, it had like a wonky floor and stuff if, like that, yeah. Very famously put on to Hey Hey It's Saturday, I believe. Was oh, it? God. Yeah, yeah. If you have not ever seen the movie Young Einstein, which was the work of the noted auteur Yahoo Sirius, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a 1985-86 movie. It's actually pretty good. Like it's as a fun, silly movie with the premise that Albert Einstein was not in fact German, but he was in fact Tasmanian. It's very bizarre but it's got a lot of it's got mm. a really rocking soundtrack and it's quite fun. Yahoo series um, of course um he, his greatest contribution to culture was inspiring the Simpsons episode where they have yes. the line Yahoo Serious <laughs> Film Festival and Lisa says I I know all those words individually but that sentence makes no sense. <laughs> 
in the Australian episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> superb, superb work. And wouldn't that be over in six hours? Yes, it would. He has like three films. Yeah. That's right. His career is, it's, it's a trilogy. His whole career. <laughs> he was in, he was out. He, he'd done. Yeah, yeah. That was it. But so the key attraction though, of the first iteration of movie world, cause it's been, it's been done over many times since. And now they have, you know, funkier coasters and whatnot was the <laughs> Batman ride. Now I want to know, as we kick off, did you gentlemen ever go on the movie world of Batman ride? I'm sure I must have because I have a memory of sitting. It was where like about 20 people sit on a thing that sort of rolls around, right? Like you're you're basically flying in the bat plane. Yes. Is that the conceit of it? Yes. Indeed it was. Yes. Yes. Okay. I definitely did it when I was very young. Yes. Well, you're uh, the youngest of us here, Stu. <laughs> Um, I, I wasn't fishing for that, but thank you. Scott, your memories? Oh, I went on that thing so many times. <laughs> it got to the point where I remembered where various versions of Hansard were in the library. Oh, because it started in a library. That's right. Yeah. You went, you queued for ages, obviously, because it was a new theme park and everyone was there. You queued and then you eventually got taken into Stately Wayne Manor, into the library, and Alfred was there. And Alfred would greet you and discuss Master Wayne and other things related to <laughs> Wayne Industries or Enterprises or Wayne Corp or whatever it is. No, I don't think it was Alfred. I think it was his oh. nephew, played by Dexter Fletcher. Wait, oh my what? God. Why is that name familiar? But I can't place it. He was in um, the UK show with the kids that ran the newspaper at their school. Oh, Press Gang. Um, Press Gang. Press Gang. Mm -hmm. So hang on, he was there in person. No, no, no. He was on the video. You got met by some other person, just a Movie World employee. Right. So it wasn't Alfred. God, I did have no recollection of that. I just remember there being a person there kind of going, come mm -hmm. on in, come on into Stately Wayne Manor. And then, and then an alarm would go off. There'd be some yep. sort of whoop, whoop. And we go, oh, no, Batman's being summoned. Yep. Quickly, he's going to have to deputise you all to fight with him in this latest crime-fighting jaunt. And then a mysterious door would open and, oh, my God, secret passage. And then you would go through into mm. the briefing room, which was a whole bank of those TVs, like in this film where you see Batman yep. sort of the ears sticking up and he's watching a bank of TVs. Because as I said in the last episode, Stu, mm. I thought Alfred was the voyeur in that film. In this film, clearly it's Bruce. Yeah. He's the voyeur <laughs> in this one. Yeah, very much. He's got oh, yeah. CCTV and secret mics everywhere. This Batman definitely likes to watch. He does. Yeah. And then you would go and you would just see the back of Batman. You didn't see his head. You just saw he was just going, oh, you'll have to do this. And then it would turn around and yeah. it was an animatronic dummy. Right. Yeah. Going, not great right. either. Not great. No, not a great one. They're like, oh, now you'll have to sit inside a carriage and I'll have you on autopilot. So you just have to sit there. So what do we actually do, Batman? Are we actually helping the fight? No, you're just baggage. You're ballast. You're ballast on this run. And then you'd be put in one of those raped seating banks. I remember so, that. It would tilt around and stuff. Tilt yeah. around and shoot around. And then you'd be watching a video screen with you know, the bat plane was in front of you and you'd hear Batman going, to your left, to your left, or up ahead, fire. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. And then you'd get off and go, oh my God, that was amazing. Quickly, let's go again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally worth, uh, worth the 52 minute wait. Yes, it was so long a wait. That's what I remember too. But it was, um, it was, it was, you know, revolutionary for its time. It was very, yeah. and they still have Batman there as part of the parade. They still have, if you go to Movie World even now, you'll see Batman wandering around. Well, they have all the DC superheroes. That's, that's, that's the cool I mean, thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, Batman's been there since the beginning. And they, they have this Batmobile too, yeah, still to this day. I'm pretty sure they didn't upgrade <laughs> to the Tumblr. 
Oh, no, no, they have a tumbler there. <laughs> oh, do they? Okay. Yeah, but What's the 89 Batman. That, that's the, the Nolan Batman, uh, yeah. the, the one that looks like a tank. Oh, yeah. why is it called a tumbler? Is it named I, after an internet service? It's just called a tumbler. Yeah, I, yeah it, it, it has several uh, opinions on anime. No, it, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. My point was that this is the version of Batman, I guess, that coloured my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yours and everyone else's, Natalie. <laughs> okay, well, as in I was a grown lady by the time the Nolan Batman started and I was yes. obviously far too young for the Adam West. I didn't mm. exist, in fact. So, you know, this is right square where we are and that, that ride. I think I went on the ride before I saw the Batman movie. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, because I didn't see it at the cinemas. And I think probably because, like, my parents have never been superhero people. Like, that just wasn't anything they were really raised with. So I just don't think they would have taken us to see a superhero movie. Sure, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, because my brother didn't really read comics. I didn't read comics apart from Tintin. So Mm. I probably expressed no interest in Batman. The very first time I got to see this film, the 1989 uh, Batman, was at the Ballina RSL in their um, auditorium. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. But it gets better because at 6 o'clock, what happens in an RSL in Australia? In an RSL at 6 o'clock. Oh, yes. They they do the going down of the sun and we shall remember them. But they didn't stop playing the film. They just turned off the sound. So we oh, my God. St- <laughs> we all had to stand up and face to the east and, yeah, and the film was still playing on the screen. So I think I missed a good five minutes of the film the first time I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember where it was, like, like where in the film it was? I can't remember. If I could remember what time it started, um, I could probably <laughs> narrow it down. Oh, you could work it out, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't remember what the scene was. And, but I consequently did get to see it in full at the Meribra Cinema. No, the Lismore Cinema. Mm, yes, right. Scott, Scott just got around all of those uh, smaller satellite cities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I think I saw this on home video. Yes, I, I, I definitely I... saw it on home video because I was six when it came out. And a sweet baby child. I, I was. Were a sweet adorable? little baby boy. I was probably adorable. I'm told yeah. I was adorable, yes. Did you have a Batman costume? Uh, you know, I, there's definitely, I don't know if I, I was dressed up as Batman that year, but there is definitely photos of me as a child dressed up as Batman. Um, okay. But to be fair, there's also photos of me dressed up as Spider-Man, Superman, like various <laughs> other people. Nice. Uh, and as we discussed uh, on a previous podcast, uh, definitely photos of me as an adult in various uh, yeah. costumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. My first ever costume when I was about five was the 1966 Batman costume. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. You had the full spandex, the kind of silky. Yeah, yeah. Silver, yeah. Silvery spandex. It had a cape. It, I had a plastic mask that we'd bought from the, the shops. Mm-hmm. It didn't, it didn't have the symbol on the chest and it didn't have the utility belt, but I thought I was It awesome. was probably off-brand. It was probably um, <laughs> not, not licensed. No, no, no. It was made by a relative. Right. Oh, oh. wow. Okay. Right. Okay. I see. <laughs> That's right. Yes, back in the days when the idea of purchasing a costume was tacky. And <laughs> it's funny how those days have come back around again with the rise of cosplay. Yeah. You know? Like yeah, if you yeah. turn up in a bought costume, you're sort of snitched, like, ah, I think. Shunned. Tourist. Exactly. Casual. And I think I've mentioned on a previous podcast that I knew this film first as a jigsaw puzzle because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that it happened that, that somehow – my parents would probably didn't take us to see the film, but did buy us a jigsaw puzzle of the bat symbol. Sure. The gold 
that symbol yep. with, the, yeah, yeah. with the bat outline. And it was because that was the film poster, I think. It was literally just the it bat was. symbol. It, and it then, definitely you know, like, was. Yeah, yeah. Famously, it was soon. just the symbol. It was just the symbol. It was very, very cool. But you could get that as a jigsaw. And, of course, it was a really oh. freaking hard jigsaw because it's mostly black. So you have to kind of start with the gold and then build out. And we did it, I remember, on our pool table downstairs in our rumpus room. And it was mum and I, for the most part, I think, putting this damn thing together. And in the end, we were so proud of it, we, like, uh, sealed it. So we put, like, a, right. a seal yeah, on yeah. it and, and, mounted and then it. hung it as a yeah. poster. Wow. So for years nice. in our rumpus room, we had this Batman jigsaw poster. <laughs> and so for years, I, I didn't under, I thought it was a mouth. I think I've said this before. I thought it was, like, two teeth uh-huh. at the top and three or four teeth at the bottom because all I saw was the gold because we'd done it as a jigsaw. Mm. All I saw was the gold. I didn't see the black inside as a bat. And I think I was walking past one day and saw it out of the corner of my eye and realised, oh, that's a bat. That's a bat. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Batman. I just thought the symbol was like this weird kind of open maw. <laughs> yeah, that, that's from another superhero called Mouthman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Jaws, as it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, so this is the story. I guess let's try and summarize the plot. Bruce Wayne is a fancy businessman in Gotham City, which is being overrun by crime. There is a struggle for power amidst a few gangsters in town. And it turns out that the one who reaches the top is Jack Napier, who becomes the Joker. And he meets with a terrible accident involving a giant pot of toxic chemicals. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. I shouldn't laugh, but that's just so out of the 60s Batman. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, a giant pot of toxic chemicals. And uh, he develops the skin, white skin and big smile. And then he decides to wreak havoc on the city through a series of poisoned lipsticks and deodorants. Mm-hmm. Look again. Which I had no idea about. I had completely forgotten that element of it and I kind of laughed so much. Because- Extremely on brand for the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Okay. So he tries to poison everybody. Batman is able to stop it. And then he decides to go after Batman. And then everything just kind of got away from me in this film. And I <laughs> <laughs> eventually Batman triumphs. And yay, Gotham is saved. Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> is that about the size of it? As a potted summary, it definitely yeah. works. That, that is that is all the events of the film, yes. Now, I have um, a little bit of a problem, Natalie and Stu, that? that I didn't realise until this very last watching of the film. So when, when he falls into the, the, the big giant vat of acid at the start, he's actually been shot through the cheeks. Yes. A he has nerve damage in his face. Yes. Nerve yes, damage. Which, nerve damage. Yeah, which accounts for the smile and the weird shape of the face. However, when he uses the Smilex later in the film to kill people, they all get the smile. So has he shot them and then had it sewn up? And <laughs> I think you'll find that's a plot hole. Yeah. Let's mark it down. <laughs> That's a very good point. I just assumed it was some kind of chemical that twisted your muscles. Maybe. Uh, to resemble him. But I mean, you make and a fair the, point. In the comics, that's the case. Like in the comics, the smile comes because he's made this chemical that gives you this smile. But in the film, he doesn't get the smile from the chemicals. Well, now, do we want to do our minute challenge? Or, Stu, do you have anything? I thought it might be good if you know anything about sort of the, the making of this film or how it came to be. Oh yeah, well, I mean, we can we can talk about how this film came to be. So, I mean, this film was a cultural phenomenon. 
Yes. Uh, in a way that few films have been before or since. This film was everywhere. And, and like you, you talked before about getting a jigsaw puzzle with a Batman symbol on it. You know, yes. like merchandising for this film was insane. Oh, yes. Like anything that they could slap a, a, a Batman logo on was out there. <laughs> like and it, so far, like, like this movie is the origin of everything we think of as a superhero movie and as a big summer blockbuster. You know, yeah. like, like this movie is what invented everything from, from tie-ins with fast food companies to m- merchandising, even to insane things like opening weekend grocers. If you follow like box office yes, things yes. like, like this thing made enormous amounts of money in its opening weekend, just in America alone, let alone across the world. This film changed cinema in a very real and tangible way across the board. Tim Burton obviously is the director. Um, his immediate previous film to this was Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Um, so he wow. went from that to this, which actually, when you watch those two films, totally like there's not a, there's not a massive jump. I've never seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure, so I couldn't I couldn't attest to that, but I'm not surprised. Pee Wee's Big Adventure is darker than you remember, and this yep. Batman is a lot campier than you remember. This movie is yeah, I, I uh, gothic camp. Is, is what I like to call it. It's um, yeah. this wonderful sort of midway point between grim and gritty and the, the Tim Burton Batman. It's kind of Tim Burton's, it just establishes everything about him really, doesn't it? Like yeah. everything yeah, that he's subsequently done. In a lot of ways, yeah, yeah. So much, you know, the colour palettes, the characterizations, the special effects. There's, you know, I can see direct lines from Batman out to everything else that he's yeah, done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he had already... The, the constant casting of Helena Bottom Carter. <laughs> but but he was already reusing actors because he was reusing Michael Keaton from Beetlejuice. So he'd already made Beetlejuice at this point, oh, um, which, which is I've... arguably the most Tim Burton movie. Oh, we said, uh, see, I've never seen Beetlejuice. So. Oh, well, why am I not surprised? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It seems like the kind of thing I should see, but I don't it's know. a very it's a very good movie. And, and yeah, yeah. Okay. so he was he'd already worked with Michael Keaton, and they cast Michael Keaton, which led to the very first fan backlash. Yep. So before the movie had even come out, before they uh, while they were in the middle of filming. Michael Keaton is announced that he's going to be the new Batman and fans lose their minds. Yep. Really? They start, yeah, it broke the internet before there was an internet, right? So there was, so there was a letter writing campaign. So people wrote in thousands and thousands of people wrote to Warner Brothers to say, do not cast Michael Keaton as Batman. He's going to be terrible. Yeah. When I went to the States in 1988... I went into a comic book shop and it's the first time I've ever encountered Nerd Rage. And up on the wall mm. of the Batman comics, there was a big sign with a picture of Michael Keaton from Mr. Mum. And it said, I'm Mr. Mum. I'm also Batman. How dare they? Or something like that. And it's like, <laughs> absolutely okay, incredible. So- so the nerds have been angry since pre-internet times. Oh, yes. Natalie, the nerds have always been angry. Yeah. <laughs> delightful that is honestly i mean just imagine now a whole bunch of people like that's it i'm getting my pen and i'm getting my paper (laughs) and i'm writing to you know po box 555 in my local capital city dear sir or madam let's face it it's probably a dear sir um women aren't allowed comics (laughs) (laughs) i live in lismore my name is scott i fundamentally object to the casting of mr (laughs) mom Sorry, Scott, I didn't mean to yeah, no, uh, cast good. dispersions on your character, but I do. I, I love the idea that people were motivated enough 
Because, you know, it's the internet. It's very easy to leave a forum mm. or bitch on Facebook or something. But to actually go, no, 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 I'm getting a, I'm getting a stamp. I'm <laughs> yeah, that's paying, right, exactly. I'm paying 10 cents for a stamp because it's 1988 and I'm sending it to Warner Brothers Hollywood. I'm Absolutely, get- and that's what they did in their thousands. Uh, in their thousands. Amazing. People were furious about this casting. Now, how did they react then when the movie came out? Um, almost overwhelmingly positive, and this yeah. was the thing. So there were people who didn't like it at the time. Like there were even people back then who were like, it's, it's kind of weird, and, and we can get into the reasons that it's a bit of a strange movie. But at the time, obviously, like people loved this movie. People yeah. absolutely adored it. Um, it was it was huge. It, it made millions and millions and millions of dollars, and it birthed an entire genre of genre. film, basically. Yeah, for sure. So you have then, as you say, this massive film releasing. You have nerds backlash and then frontlash how did it sort of critically go at the time i mean at the time it received some pretty good reviews i think i think they were mostly positive i think there were people who sort of said that it was a bit tonally all over the place which to be honest i i agree with here in 2021 watching it today but for the most part people loved it and certainly the the audience reviews were off the charts and critically people were like yeah this is really fun this is a fun interesting good time at the movies i think it was dark but families could still go and see it yeah and and that was that was its big strength was that it was one of those things that if you were an adult you could go and watch it because it was it was ostensibly a movie that that everyone could watch but if you're a kid it wasn't like too scary it really hit that sweet spot where families could go to see this movie and it just made millions and millions of dollars for that reason because what it reminded me of and i don't know you might know the story behind this guy's being this is also a comic book franchise that I guess didn't happen was the year after they made Dick Tracy. Yeah. And I'm trying to work out which, which film company it was. Oh no, it was Warner brothers. Yeah. And they even had Danny Elfman. I'm just looking it up on our research. Yeah. uh, But I mean, they made Dick Tracy because Batman was a hit. This is what I mean. But Dick Tracy didn't achieve what Batman achieved, even though I went and looked at the trailer for Dick Tracy and I was trying to find out if it's streaming anywhere and it's not, you have to buy it. And I'm still trying to weigh up if I want to, spend the five bucks on it even though I love Madonna (laughs) and I remember Madonna being actually really good in that film but it had a very similar thing where it had a very deliberately film noir-y 40s style color palette so you can see that it was very influenced by Batman it wasn't even a 40s style thing they lent into the the three color comics with with, with Dick Tracy and I think people found it less believable uh, or uh, people were, were weirded out by it, basically. They went and they go, it doesn't look right. So it didn't do as well. Ah, okay. Well, and also, I mean, from, from memory, it's not as good a film. Like, it's just no. a very sort of dashed off film. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, is this version of Batman the best film? I suppose it's better, one would say. But I'm interested that, that Dick Tracy is ostensibly a, you know, 1930s era kind of detective guy. Batman is originally a 19... What, 40-era detective superhero guy, Mm. it's interesting that one really worked and the other didn't. Like, I assume Dick Tracy had its fans in its day, but it was much more... Well, also, uh, the the reason that I don't think it worked from an overall perspective is that Batman is a superhero and Dick Tracy is a two-fisted detective. And fundamentally, those are different genres. 
you know, like, like the trappings are the same and they obviously were trying to capture lightning in the bottle again, but yeah. they were like, oh, well, Dick Tracy's a comic and Batman's a comic. So they're the same thing. And it's like, yeah. no, Batman is in the same universe as Superman, not as Dick right. Tracy. Batman comes from the same, you know, sources as Dick Tracy, but Batman mixes it up with, you know, the Flash and Green Lantern. He doesn't play with, with Dick Tracy, a two-fisted detective. Yes. Yeah. You know, That's it's a right. different thing. And I think audiences were responding to the superhero of, of it all, not the, the noiriness of it all. And so was Batman the first superhero really since Superman, like the, the Christopher Reeves? Kind Superman? of. I, I went yeah. and looked, actually, because this is the thing. Like, su- the, the original Superman, the, the Richard Donner Superman, was enormous. It was it was huge. It was, it yeah. was a massive success. Superman 2 was also, like, critically acclaimed. But then you had Superman 3, which was only in 1983, by the way, sort of tarnished the brand a little. Like Richard Pryor came in and was playing like a fast talking crook. And by uh, Superman 4 had happened in 1987. And that's the one where he uh, gets rid of all the world's nukes and fights nuclear man. Throws them into the sun. Throws them into the sun. And so, yeah, you, you basically had the Superman franchise spent itself over the course of the 80s. And by the time 1989 rocks around, that had really been it. Yeah. If you look on Wikipedia, there's a category called 1980s superhero films, and it has Superman 2, 3, and 4, Supergirl, which yeah. had also come out in 1984. And then it has a couple, uh, Howard the Duck had happened. I was about to say, oh. what Howard the Duck? Howard the Duck was in the 80s, <laughs> 1986. Swamp Thing and Return of Swamp Thing were in the 80s. Yeah. That's based on like a weird, you know, horror DC comic. The Toxic Avenger is listed and I am technically is a superhero movie, I guess. What about Condor Man? Condor Man is in there. Robocop is listed as a a superhero film, which I think is probably arguable. There's elements there, I guess. And then The Punisher came out in 1989 with Dolph Lundgren. Filmed in Sydney. Filmed in Sydney. Oh, wow. The no, TV no. movie, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, with uh, Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk, yep. oh, wow. uh, had had happened. Masters of the Universe comes out in 1987 with Dolph Lundgren again as He-Man, which is also technically, I, w- I would say that's more of like a sword and sorcery fantasy movie, but they're listing it as a, as a superhero film. And then that's kind of it, you know, and then you at the end of the 80s in 1989, you get Batman and it just changes the game. You had mm. Superman and then nothing. And then Batman comes along and everyone's like, oh, okay, we need to make more of those. And they do. And they do. And how. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, let's get into perhaps our minute challenge there. Now, I went first last time, Stu. Do you want to dive in to Batman 1989? As sure, we can, we can dive in. <laughs> so um, people don't confuse with Batman 1966. We can ride the ride the zip line down. Um, yeah. So now it is. So the first item on my list is the original gritty reboot. Even though this is a deeply campy movie <laughs> at, at its core, like it has a it has a real sense of playfulness and just weird campiness to it. I think just yeah. as much I think as Batman sixty six, but just from a different angle. Yeah. I think is the is the point. But it was the original gritty reboot. Like this this film was a direct reaction to the Adam West Batman. Like that was the Batman that was still looming large in the broader popular culture. Like in comic books, Batman by this time 
had become very dark. You'd already had The Dark Knight Returns yeah. and the, and Alan Moore's The Killing Joke had all come out in the middle of sort of mid-80s. And even through the 70s, Batman was a sort of grim and gritty urban vigilante sort of character. But the broader pop culture view of Batman was still bright colours and Biff Pow and yeah. and all that sort of yeah. thing. So this movie was a direct reaction to that. That it was They deliberately set out to make a movie that was not that Batman. It was not that Batman. And as we said last time, they've been kind of doing that ever since. Like every Batman film reacts to the one before it in the same way that sort of the James Bond franchise does. You know, they kind of they kind of make the next Batman film going, okay, what worked about that last one? Can we, what can we do differently? The next item on my list was Michael Keaton, as we said, was a controversial choice for Bruce Wayne. They were actually initially looking at Willem Dafoe. Yeah. They were looking at Willem Dafoe as um, the Green Goblin himself. Yeah, the Green Goblin himself. Well, at that point, he had just uh, he'd played Jesus Christ, you know, and, and a couple of couple of art art house things. Oh, that's right. He was in that one that got uh, everyone hot under the collar because yeah, yeah, exactly. Having, the Last Temptation having, of Christ, having sex with Mary Magdalene because hmm. clearly Jesus never had sex. Clearly, never. <laughs> he never had sex. Jesus never had sex. He never got down. I don't know why I'm singing that, but I just, I don't know, for some reason, I'm kind of hoping, I wonder if there are any devout You felt felt the spirit take you. Really offended that I'm insinuating that Jesus had sex. And I'm like, (laughs) I mean, the guy got to 33. I mean, it's not unheard of that maybe he didn't, but surely (laughs) there's no TV back then. There's no TV in Galilee. I'm sorry, Christians, if I'm offending you. I uh, would like to state that it's the official position of the Raven Bat podcast that um, we believe that all major uh, religious deities had some kind of intercourse at some point. And now I'm probably going to be shot. Um, Oh, dear. uh, But no, uh, I, I didn't mean that. That was just a joke. Uh, I respect your <clears throat> fundamental right to believe in <clears throat> magic. Okay, moving on. Um, Michael Keaton. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Was, uh, you know, previously known for some weird films. So he'd done Beetlejuice, uh, but he'd also done, you know, Mr. Marm and, and all that sort of thing. He was known primarily as a comic actor. So my take on Michael Keaton is that he is a great Bruce Wayne and an all right Batman. Yeah. He's kind of saddled with this weird costume. Yeah, looks okay. very <laughs> lo- Looks very cool, but is he can't move. He can't move was, his head. He can't. He can't yeah. Every time he looks back, he has to lean almost like horizontally backwards. Batman is supposed to be this master martial artist and, and like, you know, like, like a grim creature of the night. And he's just kind of lumbering around. He can't turn his head at all. <laughs> That's uh, why they have him constantly. Every entrance he makes is um is vertical. Yes. He's yes. coming he down. Goes up, he goes, into, his he wings goes all up, spread theatrically. Down, it's great. Or, or he comes at you or goes away from, like, he doesn't, he's like a game of chess. You know, you can only go forwards or backwards. But it was so obvious this time. I couldn't. I lost count of the times that he's like looking up a tower or looking up a staircase or and looking up at a searchlight or something, and his head yeah. is like leaning back, like oh, I can't see. And the thing is, like modern modern film sensibility has done no favors to this movie because, like Batman, yeah, he just kind of lumbers around and he kicks a couple of people. Like he's not really doing martial arts. Like he kind of at one point he kind of puts his fists up as if he's about to box someone. Yeah. Like it just yeah, <laughs> yeah the it, guy it's who's coming at him with like the karate knives or something. Yeah. he's going like whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, and he's just well, like, do you know? I mean, the thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's literally the thing. They had a whole fight scene planned for that. Like he was going to take on that guy and. Yeah. They just realized he couldn't do it. Like the yep. stuntman couldn't do any of the moves in the suit. Oh, 
so they had to improvise on the scene and so he's just sort of standing there and and the guy with the knives is really selling it like he's just selling the hell out of it you know all the kicks and punches and things like oh it's it's crazy the 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 next item on my list that i wrote i was just thinking about like how he couldn't move in the suit now this batman's kind of bad at his job yeah The very first thing that happens, like the very first thing we see Batman do in this film is get shot and fall over. That's from two regular standard issue thugs. Yeah, yeah, street thugs. Like, yeah, street, street yeah, thugs. that's right. Yes, the, the ones who are clearly on some sort of heroin or something going on. Yeah. Like a, there's been stories of the bat, man. You heard about the stories of the bat. Nah, they ain't no bat. Hey, no bat. That's just storytelling. And then Batman, kind of in the in the background, for for no one's benefit but our own, like yeah. you know, comes down with his wings all spread and stuff, you which know, looks cool. It looks very you cool. Know, you know what I thought when I saw him like do the whole like, and the yeah. first time I went, oh my god, it's that scene from the Silence of the Lambs where Hannibal Lecter strung <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> <laughs> strung up the cops in the cage and is like taken off with one of their faces and stuff. It is like they open the door and it's like, it just, like it just looked like Hannibal Lecter's victim hanging there. <laughs> Which in probably this, wasn't the vibe they wanted. I kind of got the feeling that he did that drop down in the background and went, oh, they didn't see me. So he, he walks <laughs> over and very deliberately scuffs his foot. Yes. So they've got to turn around to look at him. Like, <laughs> I, I get the feeling like, that- guys, you missed my amazing entry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, this is the thing. Like, they, everyone talks about Joker being theatrical, but Batman is nothing if not theatrical. Yeah. yeah. He dresses up in a cape, for God's sake. So, yeah, like, he, he's kind of bad at his job. He falls over all the time. He, yeah. he constantly has thugs, like, beating the crap out of him. He got shot. His body armor at one point, he got shot, and he falls on the ground, and they're, like, poking him and going, oh, hey. It's not that he can't die. It's just he's, he's, got body he's just armor wearing on. body armor, and then they're like kicking him and stuff. And then they it's get like, distracted, uh. and then he's fine. So it's like, well, did the bullet get through? Because there's a big hole in it. So where did the bullet? That's fine. But yes, he's, he's <laughs> as you say, a good Bruce Wayne, slightly uh, work experience Batman. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Ah. Um, <laughs> the next item on my list is Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Oh. Um, so good. Pretty bloody good, really, isn't he? Like- so my, my question, my first thing on my list, Stu, and I might as well say it now because mm-hmm. maybe you and Scott can answer. Why did Jack Nicholson do this film? I think they backed a truckload of money up to his house. Yeah, he um, and and this this is that he actually uh, reduced his fee. He was he was keen to work on this movie. Yeah. He was actually he was a fan of the script. He wanted to work with Burton apparently. But he wasn't doing it for free. They they couldn't pay him ten million dollars. His asking price was ten million dollars. They ended up giving him six. But they also and this was one of the first times this had happened. He asked for points on the back end. Yeah. So what that means is like he gets a share of the uh, eventual profits of the movie. He does that right. a lot. Yeah, and, and he was one of the first people to really do that. He made like fifty million dollars. Yeah, he was really good friends with um, the original Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Alec Guinness. Alec, Guin- Alec Guinness. He was really good friends with Alec Guinness, and Alec Guinness famously did that for Star Wars Episode Four. Yeah, so so he he earned a lot of money for for being in this movie, basically, yeah. and he kind of set the trend for Batman films and and for superhero films in general, where the superhero themselves is kind of a blank slate and and a, a relatively unknown actor, but then the villain gets to be some movie movie star that happens for all of the batman films from here on in we will yeah. see that again and again and again yeah i don't know if you want me to talk about my jack nicholson impressions at this point <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you got one in your pocket oh no i just like he's great like he's really charismatic because clearly 
he's Jack Nicholson and he's not, I mean, I'm sure he is doing character work, mm. but I don't know whether it's I just haven't seen enough Jack Nicholson films. Well, I'm, I'm one of the, just, yeah. Is he playing just the very exaggerated version of himself that he plays in a lot of films? Because Yeah, I mean, elements. one of the criticisms that people do level at this performance is that he's basically just being Jack Nicholson, but then yeah. he kind of always is doing that. Well, like he's, yeah, he's yeah. one of those actors who brings himself to the role, but I think he is acting. Like, you know, he's, yeah, he's yeah. definitely the Joker here. Like he's oh, not. yes, yes. He's taken the whole like insane clown thing and is just running like hell with it. He yeah. just grabs that ball and there's the pigskin and he's just like cramming it down everyone's throat. And weirdly enough, I can see a touch of Heath Ledger's Joker getting inspiration from, like, just a touch, like, something about the theatrical nature of things and the way he just kills people. Like, at one point, he just pulls a gun out and shoots his number one guy because he's lost his balloon. <laughs> yes. and, and there Bob was just, the goon. Bob the goon, yeah. And Bob it's the like, goon. I don't know, there was, there was some things about it that I'm like, I feel like Heath Ledger saw this film in his childhood, even if he didn't go back to it for his yeah. research. Oh, sure. I'm sure he did. Joker. I mean, everyone everyone saw this film. I think there were elements of Cesar Romero's Joker in his performance as well. Yeah, but there's also, you know, elements of McMurphy from Montreal Over the Cookies oh, Nest. Yeah. And also later on, the, the, the grumpy guy from the one he won an Oscar for, another one. As good as it gets. For. As good as it gets, yeah. There's sort of the grouchiness mixed with the theatrics and the big personality thing. It's the kind of thing that Jack Nicholson does really well. I'm not suggesting he's not Acting, but there's very much it's it's very in his favor in his wheelhouse oh sure um, yeah yeah i mean like, like he's bringing a lot of himself to it but i mean he yeah. was a great choice for the role and also you know there's such hammy lines like i remember my <laughs> enduring memory of batman and robin is just how many dodgy ice puns um mr freeze <laughs> oh we'll get I'm, there i'm sure we'll yeah. get there but he's making laughter jokes and smiling puns well and, i mean but to be fair like he's <laughs> the joker like i mean that's yeah, kind of his whole deal i know but the thing is is that it could go so badly because they're so naff but he sells them that's my point yeah exactly he's, he's yeah. sort of able to sell them whereas arnie just does not sell them <laughs> 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 although in his own way maybe they are endearing in his own way when we go back to look at it but yeah it's bad good as opposed to arnie who's good bad no other way around i can't I, it's hard to define it but yeah he's he's got lead billing probably because you know he was the most famous one at the time yes yeah yeah I mean, that, that was part of the tip too it. he gets lead billing yeah he deserves it because he is he's the character where bruce yeah. wayne has to be quite restrained the joker is unrestrained in yes all exactly ways. yeah and over the top and killing people in front of the whole media and courthouse. Just killing people. It's fine. Nobody's doing it. Yep. Like, he's so over the top and I don't know when we'll get to it, but at some point I would really like to discuss the whole parade sequence. Uh, <laughs> well, we can, we can do that now if you like. <laughs> oh, no, continue with your list. We might, we okay. might get to it. Well, well, yeah, we'll get to it. I might just throw something in about Jack Nicholson, though. He's a very tactical actor, and one of the things that he does, he does a masterclass on how to hold the camera, and it's all about the way you move your head, where your eyes are, and moving your eyes before you move your head holds the camera, or moving your head and holding the camera with your eyes. So there's a lot of that in that performance. He holds the camera. Yes, and the camera loves him. Like, it, even with that grotesque makeup and everything, he's just, you kind of can't look away. He's car crash horrendous to look at, but yeah. also 
the only thing you can look at. It, it's worth pointing out just from a comic nerd point of view, like this is the closest to like comics accurate Joker that we'll ever get. Really? You know? Well, I mean, I, in terms of his look, like like yeah. he's the, he's got the big grin with the purple hair, uh, the purple suit and the green hair, you know, and, and the chalky white skin. And it's actually like chalk white skin. It's not makeup or anything like that. Yeah. Heath Ledger has like dyed hair and makeup canonically like in the movie. Yeah, and then you get like Jared Leto's Joker, which the less said, the better. But this is this is the closest we get. Like you know, live, this is live, yeah, certainly live action. Yeah, for sure. In terms of live action, yeah, exactly. It's the closest we get, and I think it's really good. I think it's a really iconic look for a reason. Oh, the costuming in this film, which I've got notes to mention, so we can always leave it. But yeah, the costuming in this film is just fantastic. Like I yeah. wanted to own everything that Kim Basinger, 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 <laughs> everything that she wore. I basically wanted to own, <laughs> even yes. to the baggiest of her baggy. 80s trousers. I was like, I want everything in her wardrobe. It's well, actually, the, the weird thing is, I don't have Kim Basinger on my list, but like, I probably should because like, she's great in this. Yeah, she yeah. actually is. Like, she's really good. <laughs> She's yeah, definitely yeah. better than Jerry Hall. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I totally did not know that Jerry Hall was in this, but she's not bad. She's, you know, playing the kind of trophy girlfriend. And wasn't she married to Mick Jagger there for a few years? Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I, and now she's married to Rupert Murdoch. Oh, I probably shouldn't. Sorry, Mrs. Murdoch. Uh, <laughs> uh, your performance was exemplary in Batman 1989. <laughs> Please. Don't kill me. Notice how I was okay with religion, but uh, going up against Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> going up against News Corp, you're like, no, thank you. Because yeah. I know what the real punishment is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Kim Bassinger is amazing in this. Uh, I think she's really, it sort of suits her talents. And her looks are so of that 40s era. And she obviously goes on to win an Oscar for LA Confidential, where she's mm-hmm. kind of playing, a, playing I think, a high-class escort who looks like Veronica Lake. So, yep. you know, her, her looks suit that era and that style. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, th- the thing is, like, she's, she's so beautiful, but she's also, she's really in the pocket of this character. Like, I think she's really, she understands the sort of movie that she's in. And it's, it's been mentioned in the past that, like, she does a lot of screaming in this movie. But, you know, it's, it's kind of what is being asked of her and she does it well. So Yeah, and true. also, like, I think that it seems to be that she's a fashion photographer trying to prove herself so the whole thing is that she's gone to some war-torn country and covered a you know genocide essentially uh so she's trying to pull herself out of kind of a i guess a a trivial seeming photojournalist career Mm. and move into like serious stuff so she goes from a genocide in a developing country to batman yeah Um, it makes total sense and then the joker latches onto that of course yeah and i really didn't have if it's art but i like it I, i think because she's not a kick-ass female she's a photojournalist she's not a wait i've secretly done kung fu uh, she's is a damsel in distress because she's been thrown around and I, I actually really liked at the very end where jack nicholson is dancing with her on the top of this clock tower or whatever it is and she's just kind of crying and flopping because she's so exhausted from being <laughs> yeah. marched up 90 flights of stairs or whatever it is. She's just exhausted and shattered and here's this madman twirling her around. And she's like her whole body is kind of limp. And I really liked that. I really liked that you're actually showing someone physically giving out against this onslaught that is the Joker. You know, clearly he's got some weird obsession with her. He wants to either kill her or have sex with her or both or, you know, and it's she's just losing the ability to kind of react I really like that. And then when she sees that Bruce is there, sorry, Batman is there. Sorry, spoilers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
that she actually goes, I need to distract him so, you know, Batman can get in. And then she starts to, like, kiss his sleeves and try yeah. and go, oh, you, you're so hot. Oh, oh you're so funny. And, and then she starts to just try and help herself. But she's using the one thing that would make sense to him is she's using her sexual power over him. Yeah. Mm, yep. yeah. um, which is the only thing that she's kind of got in that in that transaction. You know, that's what he's picked her for is because he thinks she has style. And and so she's trying to go, okay, well, you, you think you want me? Maybe if I play like I want you to, I can distract you. To me, it was just kind of realistic. It wasn't, oh, quickly, I'll punch him in the face. And then because it turns out I know Kung Fu, she's a photojournalist. <laughs> so I don't, I don't hate that. Cause of course you're going to have a, if you're going to have a male superhero in this time, in 1989, in the mainstream pop culture film, yeah. yes, you're probably going to have a male superhero and a female love interest. And the villain is also a man. And, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't offend me. I don't, yes, she does some screaming, but she's also being pulled up by, you know, the thing where he shoots up and it like, uh, Grappling hooks. Grappling hooks. There's so many grappling hooks in this film. Well, it is a Batman movie. Yeah. yeah, If you were constantly being flown up or snatched up by grappling hooks, you'd probably scream too. Like that is true. That is true. Sorry, I just want to defend Kim Basinger here because he's mad. He's the Joker. He's nuts. I will say, like, like, there's no need to defend her. Like, I think she does a great job in this film. I, uh, think I she, guess yeah. I'm just preemptively anyone who wants to have a go at her. I, I thought she was great. I thought she well, was really... Don't forget, Batman does do a fat joke at her um, oh, 108 now. pounds. So I actually... Okay, well, if we want to talk about that here, let me talk about it. Because that, that took me so much out of the film. I had to stop the film look up the conversion of what a 100 <laughs> kilos is, get really fucking mad because it's 49 kilos. Yeah. 49 oh kilos. I am so far away from 49 kilos, I might as well be an elephant. <laughs> like that's how far away from 49 kilos I am. And so there she is running around and I was like, there's no way she's 49 kilos. That's ridiculous. All these Hollywood actresses, all of them, they're all about 54, 55 which is about the 120-pound, 25-pound mark. That's what they all are. And I know because I look it up. I, I have serious body image issues and I might be alone on this, but when I see women on screen, I'll be like, they look really skinny. I'm going to look up how much they weigh and how, much, how tall they are. And then be like, yeah, they are fucking underweight. They need to eat a sandwich. No Sorry shame. to have brought it up. Sorry to have brought it up. No, 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 no. This is the thing. <laughs> I am not suggesting that thin women don't exist and they're naturally thin women and absolutely not. But this is just this Hollywood cookie cutter mold of how big you can get if you're a singer or an actor. Like it's, it's still there. You know, you want to be about 120 pounds or about 55 kilos, right? Anyway, so I'm looking it up going, there's no way. So I had a few thoughts. First of all, there's no way. And then, of course, the thing stops and I'm like, oh, that's a joke. She's lied about her weight even in the middle of a life or death situation. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which brings me to one of uh, Deborah Francis White on her Guilty Feminist podcast. She always starts with these sort of mantras of I'm a feminist but, so it's where you sort of fail at being a feminist. Mm. And she does one when she says, I'm a feminist but I once lied about my weight when going on a small plane where, because often if you fly on small planes, they ask you to weigh in, <laughs> like they weigh your luggage and they weigh you. Yes. Or they ask your oh. weight and she lied about it because she was embarrassed <laughs> and she reduced her weight. She's like, therefore potentially endangering the entire people on <laughs> I was too embarrassed about my weight. Yeah, so that, that reminded me of that. And then it made me think, okay, well, if that was me, if I was Vicky Vale and Batman turns up and he's like, what do you weigh? 
First of all, I'm also very embarrassed about my weight, so I would probably lie to it for Batman. <laughs> even then if I was honest and I said my weight or even something near it, he'd be like, I, I, I don't have my grappling hooks. Not, I, can't, I, I can't carry you. I've only got enough for me. <laughs> do, do you think? Do you think if she'd said her real weight, he would have been like, "Well, shit, out of luck. Sorry, bye." <laughs> but no. But my thing is, like, I'm so much over forty nine kilos, or even fifty five kilos. So much over that, I'm like, Batman is gonna fucking leave me behind. Yep. <laughs> Batman can't grappling hook me out of anywhere. And then that started a shame spiral into me going. <laughs> I'm too heavy, I'm too overweight, I'm too fat to be rescued by Batman. I need to lose weight if for no other reason than I can't be rescued by Batman should the occasion arise. <laughs> and I am on my fucking own. And then that sent me into an anger issue at men in general <laughs> because fuck men and their superhero complexes and then locking themselves into only rescuing thin women. <laughs> I was like, fuck you, superheroes, and your unrealistic body standards for your damsels in distress. Uh, normal people, <laughs> overweight people, heavier people, we get in trouble from gangsters too. So where's our grappling hook? That's true. But um, but honestly, it's it's mostly just another example of this this movie's Batman just not being prepared. Yeah. Um, you know, like <laughs> Batman would have a second grappling gun that yep. would be able yeah. to take a heavier lady. But also, heavier ladies just won't exist in Gotham. They just don't exist. It'll be like a natural selection process, you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Batman's not going to look at someone like me and go, oh, wow, she's a photojournalist. Oh, she's really interesting. No, he's looking at the hot blonde in the fucking poofy wedding cake dress in the first scene. <laughs> Anyway, so basically I had a lot of issues and feelings. <laughs> sure, yes. That the, the yeah. 108 pounds joke sent me into such a spiral, I paused the movie and it took me 15 minutes to restart. Because <laughs> 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 I had to do internet research into Kim Bassinger's height and weight. And, yes, she is like 55 kilos. 49 kilos is like I was probably a child the last time I was 49 kilos. Yes. I was probably like 10 years old. Like what is even going on? <laughs> 108 pounds. God damn it. So the next item on my list is oh, sorry. Sorry, the sorry. theme song. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, what? The Danny Elfman uh, theme to this movie, oh, uh, which yeah. again, like, like, like every other element of this movie, became instantly iconic. Yeah. What a cool theme song. Why I brought up the Batman ride is because I know that theme. Whenever I think, hear that theme, I see in my head the cue at the Batman ride that movie was. <laughs> because that was the song or that was the music that was playing while you stood in the queue for an hour. Sure. <laughs> da -da 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 -da. Over and over again. <laughs> is, that the, is that the biggest dichotomy between the music playing and the activity being performed yes, that has ever true. existed in the, like just standing frustratedly in a line for a, for a ride and. <laughs> doo -doo 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 -doo. It's very inspiring. And it's Danny Elfman who did The Simpsons. He's just so versatile. It's mysterious, but action packed. Like it perfectly mm. fits the movie. It, it's really, really good. Do you, do you um, know what band, do you know what band he used to be in? Danny Elfman. Danny no, Elfman. I don't actually. Well, I, I, I should know this. He was in the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Right. Well, I would never have gotten that. So, um, of course. <laughs> the, the guys that did the song Weird Science. Oh, right. I haven't got anything more for that. I just. <laughs> <laughs> That is the trivia question out of this episode. Uh, we're doing a quiz at the end. 
be prepared. Yeah, no, it's a great theme. Do you also want to talk about the Prince songs in this film? Yeah, well, yeah, we can talk about the music in this because obviously uh, Prince famously was brought on to do the the music for this movie and just made it Prince. Didn't sort of make it Batmanified at all. Uh, no. He just did a bunch of Prince songs. The, the one that I remember is the Batman. Dun, dun, dun. He did like a Batman pop song, but that's not in the film anywhere. He did a he did uh, an album of uh, songs from the movie, but it also had a couple of other things. And so yeah. that was on there, um, but yeah. that wasn't in the movie. But that um, was the but, single, I think. Yeah, but but quite famously, uh, he has a song called Bat Dance. That's where the he, There's bits of that in the movie, but... Not the lyrics, though. Not the lyrics. And quite famously, he had a, uh, a music video where he was dressed as a, a half and half Batman and the Joker. Yeah. Dancing oh, back okay. and forth. Uh, it is bizarre. Have you never seen this? I feel like I have memories of seeing... A clip with like lots of women dressed as bats or something. Yeah, it got pretty high rotation on Rage. Oh, I'm looking. Oh, he's dressed as the Joker in this pictures that I'm seeing. Uh, yeah, no, he was he was dressed half and half. Um, so he was on one side he was the Joker and on the other side he was Batman. Like Victor Victoria. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen it. I've got it here now. That's interesting. <laughs> he's not. He's not got the bat mask on. He's just he's got the Joker hair and stuff, but he doesn't have the Batman yeah. ears on. That's very strange. But yeah, I, it's not to sort of question the songs necessarily. I think the songs were fine, the Prince songs, but the one, and this is what I mean about the parade, the song that is playing when they have the big parade that Jack Nicholson insists they go ahead with. Yes. Because he's uh, going to give everyone free money, even though they've gone, no, there's clearly some terrorists, trying to gangsters, trying to <laughs> shoot everyone up. We're going to cancel the festival. Apparently the authorities are powerless to stop them. <laughs> yeah, yep. he takes over the TV. He somehow manages to get on TV and yet broadcast the signal to the mayor who's announcing it's being cancelled. And so they look to their left and yeah. he's on the yes, TV. That's great. That's a great. That, yep. That's very comic books it, right it's, there. It's, it's fun visual style, but it's like, how actually is that happening? That's 1989. <laughs> the techno- and then he pulls the, the screen aside and, and he's on both screens. He like pushes them yeah. out. And I'm like, how is this happening? This makes no sense. Movie magic, huh? <laughs> Movie magic. Movie magic, yes. There's a scene where the Joker and his goons bust up the Flugheim Museum, which seems to have every notorious or famous artwork in the world in there. I'm surprised the Mona Lisa <laughs> wasn't in there. Yes. <laughs> and another point, sidebar, but, yes, yeah, so there's a song called Party Man that's playing while Jack Nicholson is, like, throwing paint over everything. Except for um, that one painting that he likes. Yes, which I couldn't work out what that painting was. I think I, I think it's a Goya. Okay, that would make sense. Goya yeah. is very stark, but in the, um, in the book, it's supposed to be uh, Edvard Munch's The Scream. Oh, okay. Wait, are you talking about the novelization? <laughs> yes. Scott is a great fan of novelizations, I which am. I found. I find very charming and endearing. For a long time, that was the only way you could re-experience yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah. When, I, when we first moved from Toowoomba to Harvey Bay, we didn't have a cinema that we could go to, so I would buy the novelizations of the movies. It's really incredible that that – do they still make those novelizations? Yep. or Not as much, not as much. Because it was a real thing. I remember seeing them in bookstores all the time. It's like – I was about to say the novelization of Jurassic Park and realized how stupid that would sound. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but but there was a novelization of Jurassic Park. Yeah. But there was the book that was based yes, on Yes, yes, I know. Well, like yeah. but there there was a novelization of the movie. Okay, that's going down a whole other rabbit hole we don't have time for. <laughs> <laughs> and they would do they would do kids versions as well. They would do sanitized yeah. versions of the films. Oh, wow. What an industry that has 
somewhat met its demise in the age of instant access yes. to streaming services. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the Party Man song in the in the museum, I didn't mind. It kind of worked. But yeah, the tonally for me, the Trust song, while they're having this big parade, it looked like it was supposed to be a totally other song that was happier and jollier or more clowny. And then... They played uh, the Prince one yeah. over the top. I don't know. But then he ends it by saying, trust, who do you trust? So they obviously decided that, hey, Prince, can you write a song called Trust to go in at this <laughs> bit? Yeah. But we'll film it with something else that's happier so we can get people dancing and picking up cash. Yeah. But it's just really weird. But, again, that whole sequence of the parade, I just found kind of upsetting. Like really, I don't know what it was, what it was about it, but it was almost like the horror bit of the film for me. <laughs> I don't know why. These crazy balloons and, yeah, it was just – Kind of macabre, I think. I mean, I think that's kind of what they were going for. So. I know, but I don't know if it. I don't know if it affected me in the way it was supposed to, or in a totally different way that I found upset. <laughs> <laughs> you you were upset and off put by it, but not in yeah. the way the filmmakers intended. Yeah, I don't know. I could maybe they just did their job really well, and I'm the strange one. It is a weirdly. I mean, the thing is, like in a modern sort of you know, blockbuster, there'd be like a, a a big, full sort of sounding song or there'd be like an orchestral score orchestral, there. Yeah, Whereas, yeah. you know, the, the actual song that's playing is very minimalist. It's very 80s Prince. Like it's... it's yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a very the, thin sounding song. Thin. That's that's yeah. good because the, the, basically what I had in my head or what I thought should be there was like, celebrate yeah, exactly. times, come on, and him yeah. throwing money everywhere. And then it said it was like this trust... Hey, and then there's lines about like sex. I ain't your lover, and I'm like, what is going on in this song? Because <laughs> I was watching the film with the subtitles on, so I saw these lyrics popping up, and I was like, what is this? I mean, typical Prince lyrics. He writes a lot about sex. Yeah, I mean, a lot about sex. But it seemed really weird for that point. They're having a festival that's kind of been forced to go ahead, but also the Joker is now leading the parade. Yeah, like that, that's what I kind of love is that Prince just sort of showed up and, and they were like, okay, so you'll write the, the soundtrack to this movie, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll just like do what I always do and just like write normal <laughs> songs and you can fit them in somewhere, I guess. And everyone would know, no, it's great because we're going to sell a soundtrack, accompanying soundtrack and make even more money. And make even more money. I mean, and famously, Prince has Prince's um, home, Paisley Park, was apparently every room was set up to record in. So it's yep. entirely possible he just went around and went, "What have I recorded recently that I, I'm not going to put on an album?" <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. This yeah. this fits. I'm just going to stick this in there. It is entirely conceivable that trust was recorded on the toilet. Yep. <laughs> that legend Prince just sitting on the John with a guitar, just like. Yeah. I wouldn't just be him. There'd be a whole band there. <laughs> the, the new power generation. <laughs> what are you generating in there? Anyway, uh, continue with your list, you. Uh, yes, yes. Well, I'll, I'll I'll burn through the I'll burn through the rest. Um, I had uh, Gotham City, which uh, you know it looks incredible. Like it, the the design of Gotham City in this is amazing. Mm. Has um, no this- sky. Has no sky. Has no sky. It's all buildings. Um, and it's all matte um, matte paintings. A, a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it is they, matte paintings. They had like literally all of these factories. It was all 
or chimneys. It was all just kind of big complexes that were mm. totally still, except they'd animated a bit of smoke coming out of chimneys. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, it's clearly a, it's clearly an actual existing place, not just a painting. That yeah, and it has this, it has this really cool sort of Art Deco sort of style, but also combining like with that that eighties sort of urban decay. It's, it's so the perfect combination. I wrote this on my list. It's the perfect combination of the forties and the eighties. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's, it's so in both of those times. It's totally out of time. It's yeah. kind of timeless, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not sure what decade this is set in. I mean, it, like, let's face it, probably the '80s. But having said that, like, <laughs> like it could be the '40s, and you'd be like, great, okay, yeah. that makes the sense. The thing is, though, a lot of '80s fashion harks back to the '40s. Mm. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of '80s, like key '80s pieces, like giant shoulder pads and stuff, and um, that that are very '40s in their origins. A lot of like heavily structured pieces. There's a bit where a female newsreader who dies because she's put on the lipstick or something. Yes, they, they throw to her and she. She's wearing shoulder pads and a jacket so huge she may as well be a linebacker for, yeah. a, for <laughs> yeah. a gridiron team. Like the shoulder pads are out of this world, like crazy. Yeah, so a lot of what Kim Basinger wears, and I'm going to say Basinger or Bassinger or Basinger, it's going to alternate because I don't know. It's a whole new GIF, GIF situation. <laughs> we'll we'll um, just roll with it. Yeah. So she wears like structured stuff, but then she's also got kind of the soft flowy 80s stuff. It kind of varies depending on the scene she's in. So yeah, it's it's like everything she wears is super 80s, but also super 40s. It's yeah, it's really quite incredible. Yeah, she always strikes me as someone who's dressed the most modern in the film, whereas whereas all the men are dressed in 40s style like suit and spats. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and Michael like, Keaton is often wearing like a mismatched color vest. So he's wearing yes. like a black suit but with a gray vest or a brown suit with a black. It, it, there's a few of these kind of discordant, and I've used that word a few times now. It's obviously the only word I'm thinking about today, but the, these sort of weird tonal choices. Yeah, but it's a very neutral palette. It's a very black and white palette. Almost everything Kim Bassinger wears is black or white. Um, can I can I actually break in here? Apparently, according to the internet, and Kim Basinger himself herself oh. is Basinger. Oh, it is Basinger. Okay, mm. so I won't say Bassinger. <laughs> Kim Bassinger. You know, she was in uh, Never Say Never Again. You know the one. <laughs> we, we, we famously do, yes. Yes. Yeah. The next item on my list uh, just quickly was the Batmobile. Um, iconic, amazing, completely impractical, but very, very cool. Also kind of ropey. Ropey? Like, what do you mean? Well, sometimes when it's driving along. Oh, yeah. In the, in the high driving... def, it's very obvious that like yeah. the Batmobile prop that they have is kind of shit. That, yeah. But there's, there's a point where it's driving into, I think he's driving Vicky Vale back to the Batcave. And it's running over like a dirt path or something. And it's really kind of like. Duh, 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 duh. Yeah, yeah, the suspension like, is not great. The suspension is not good. And it's like juddering along. Yeah. And it never does anything super fast, if you notice. Like they burn the engine and it kind of takes off, but it's still driving around Gotham City streets, which probably have like a well, 40k an hour limit. Absolutely. And what I, what I love is that at one stage, like he really he really puts the pedal down and they do they do a speed ramp to, to get it to look really fast. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's- Did you notice too? the like special effects that they used because it was really obvious to me that because you've you've got it in a state where it's open and then he's like shields up oh yeah 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 that's that's animated that's animated that's hand animated yeah they obviously had an open batmobile and then they had a closed batmobile absolutely they did yeah they needed to animate the transition between the two yeah and and that's that's hand animated on the cell and it's really obvious now but at the time like still it's still good but it's very clear that it's yeah when they when they cgi now would be or it would just be all cgi and be done yes exactly 
exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the reasons it looks kind of ropey when it's moving is when they built it, they had to extend the chassis using railway line. So it is a really, really heavy car. Uh, oh, okay. wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Because it is an absurdly long car. If you oh, look yeah, at yeah. it, it's, it's ridiculous. Because yeah. it's meant to be basically like a jet engine that he's built a car around. Yeah. Yes. But I consumed all of the making ofs and the technical documents and all that sort of stuff when it came out. And that was one of the things. It was like they built this car and they, they went through the whole process. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's about 600 pounds heavier than it should be. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> so no wonder that thing's bumping on the road. Yeah. And then the final item on my list, and then we can quickly get to your list, Nat, is Alexander Knox is the secret hero of this movie. Yes. Okay, um, I loved him. I yeah, loved he's great. Him. He's fantastic. He needed a spin-off. He that actor, I don't know who he was. He is he is easily the protagonist of this film. We start yes, with him. Definitely. He is investigating the Batman. He has agency throughout the movie. He's looking into things. He's trying to figure out what's going on. During the climax, he goes out and fights a bunch of goons. Yeah. You know, and then and then the the end he gets the he gets the final line of the of the movie you know he asked the commissioner like how do we know what's what's going to happen here what what's what's going to happen mm. with this batman yeah. how do we you know it? he's he's the secret protagonist of the movie and he's the only one that showed up in the crossovers in the dc tv show when they did the the various multiverses oh my god did did he yeah, yeah, they, they have him in Earth 89 that he comes oh, out. Oh, fantastic. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's incredible. <laughs> Did that happen just recently with the Crisis on Infinite Earths thing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's uh, great. Like 19, uh, 2019, so six years ago. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, he shows up and they got Burt Ward in to do the um, Earth 66. I'd heard that they, they'd gotten Burt Ward in, but um, the fact that they brought out back Alexander Knox, that's mm-hmm. a very deep cut. Yeah. That's fantastic. I'm looking, I love it. I'm just looking to see what he's been in. Oh, my God. He was in the music video to Material Girl, My Madonna. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that, that guy, I remember that guy has, I, I forget his name, but he's been in a bunch of stuff in the 80s. He is like Robert, Robert Wool. Yeah. Wool, W-U-H-L. Yeah. Did he ever get um, his grant? Well, it doesn't say, but he like the thing he told him that he had a grant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> give give Knox a grant. Oh, he was in The Bodyguard as the host of the Oscars. That's so great. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen The Bodyguard yes. with Kevin yes. Costner and Whitney Houston. Yeah, so it's the whole thing, is it? Hang on, don't tell me, Oscars? Nat, you saw a film? I did. I have seen The Bodyguard several times. And it's the a sign of the, the apocalypse. Bodyguard. I saw the musical The Bodyguard too a few years back. It's terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. But everyone loved it because essentially yeah. it's a Whitney Houston tribute show now. Yeah. I think that's how they sell it is it's like, wait a second, I don't remember I want to dance with somebody in The Bodyguard. That's it's making a, a jukebox musical. Yeah. That's right. He was in Good Morning Vietnam. He was in Flashdance. He seems to be one of those dudes who was in a whole bunch of 80s films. He's still active. He's still got stuff. Yeah, still, still doing 20. stuff. Oh, yep. Supergirl, Crisis. A lot, lot of TV Infinite stuff. Earth. That's part one, Alexander Knox. Wow. That's great. Wow. But yeah, he's great. I, I love him. He, he's and, so and good. He's, yeah, he's a great presence in the film. Like he's he kind of functions both as like a, an audience surrogate, but also as the insider who knows what's going on. It's it's this weird sort of dual role that he plays. He's sort of a bit into like, hey, will you marry me, Vale? Like, <laughs> you're a damn fine dame kind of thing. But he's also not like super creepy about it. He's like, oh, I had my, I, I made a shot. It's all good. We can be friends yeah. now. That's fine. And he seems to respect her as like a colleague, even though that seems yeah. to come from the fact that she believes him. That seems to be the only reason that he respects her. <laughs> but, you know, it's enough. It's enough. 
It's enough. It's something. It's something. But yes, no, no, I really, I really like him. And uh, that's my list. Now, we, we've talked of a couple of things on yours, but what did you have on yours? My list is very long. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will admit I've been adding things as we've been discussing. Right. Unsanctioned oh. list additions, but they can be discussion points for after. But I'll go through my, my list. As I said, why did Jack Nicholson do this film? There's a lot of things now that are kind of cliched, I think, because of this performance you know, like where do they get a load of me? And where yeah. does he get those wonderful toys? Yeah, and the dancing. There's so much dancing. He's constantly yes. He's constantly twirling, and there's all these angles of him from you know, like above, looking down at him dancing, and and it never really explains why is he cutting out pictures. He's like so many things to do, no, not enough time, and he's just cutting pictures. Like he cuts Vicky Vale's picture out, but he's cutting lots of pic- people's pictures out of the pictures, like, you know, cutting figures out of pictures. And it's like, what are you, why are you doing all these things? <laughs> like creating busy work for him to do. He's got a series of, you know, fantastic outfits that he, he obviously has one of the outfits before he goes into the tank. Um, yes, he's already got the purple suit. We, which I mean, I, we, suit, we didn't really talk well, about this, but. He's got purple pants on. Yeah. Uh, no, but he, as well, he's, naked, he's got a he's purple got like suit. A, it's, it's like a magenta suit and then he gets the purple suit yeah. later and he's got purple tails when he's trying to woo Vicky Vale and then he's got the big overcoat for the final scene. He's got neckties and bow ties and he, 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 like, he must have spent a lot of time shopping. He, uh-huh. at, one point, at one point he's wearing like this weird kind of flat fez with a little tassel. In, oh, it's yeah. Just, it, the wardrobe budget was mostly on the Joker's clothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's why the bat suit is so bad. <laughs> and, sort of, oh, and also Batman needs to wear something. The next thing on my list was turtlenecks. Uh, <laughs> An iconic Michael Bruce Wayne look. Yeah. Look, the film Love Actually put me off many things. <laughs> and one of those things is turtlenecks. But in this film, both Michael Keaton and Kim Basinger wear black turtlenecks and they both look so hot. I mean, yeah, They look exactly. so yeah, good. They really do. I was like, oh, my God, bring back the like the snug black French, you know, kind of couture <laughs> turtleneck. Michael Keaton in the black turtleneck wearing his glasses as Bruce Wayne, he wears these kind of slightly goofy glasses. Yes. He is freaking dreamboat hot stuff, like, guys. Hot like fire, Natalie. Now, hot I, like fire. I realise I'm a bit of a cliche and most of my lists always consider of who's hot in the film business and whatever we're watching, but he looks damn good. Oh, like, yeah. Like, damn good. He's rocking that in- look. He, he brings it back. This is the thing. He looks so good in that look that they bring it back for the next film. Yes, he's got the glass. Like, I don't know how he's seeing as Batman. Maybe he just needs them for reading. Uh, Maybe he just wears them to look. I know it's it's bizarre that they decided to give him glasses. Were they trying to do like a Superman thing? Like, it's it's, maybe he doesn't. He doesn't wear them when they first meet him at the ball at the Bruce Wayne benefit. He's not wearing them. That always bugged me as a kid. I'm like, Batman doesn't wear glasses. What are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I just have like. MK glasses and turtleneck TN tick tasty. That's what I wrote. Um, Very nice. I love the reveal of Bruce Wayne. I love the fact that they're kind of looking at his crazy collection of freaking swords and shit. Yeah, it's fun. And yeah. They're like, who is yeah. this guy? Like, what is he about? He's obviously a terrible person if, if, you know, he's got all this bad stuff, but he's giving money, raising money for a benefit, but then he collects all this stuff and they're sort of having a go and then he follows them in, he's listening to them and it's that whole like, he's behind me, isn't he? And then he he's like, where is this from? He's like, oh, it's Japanese. Yeah. Oh, how do you know? Because I bought it in Japan. It's it like Japan. a lovely, a lovely reveal. He's very gracious you know, the guy says, give me a grant. Can I have a grant? And then he says at the end, oh, give him a grant. 
I love that that whole reveal was just super sweet. He's listening to them talk. He's I love that kind of. I'm a sucker for that kind of setup in any kind of film where it's like they're behind me, aren't they? I love. Yeah, it's a it's a fun bit of business. Um, And he's so handsome. And the the fact that he says to Vicky Vale, she's like, "Oh, hi. Which one of these guys is Bruce Wayne?" He's like, "I'm not sure." She's like, "Well, thanks anyway." Like, why would he? He clearly wanted to find out more about her. It was just I don't know. It was like sweet. It was a meet cute. I was here for it. It was. It got me. It really got me. I wrote here, love Knox. Yeah. Uh, I love the the palette, the timeless, as I said, 40s and 80s. I saw the joins of the, the Batmobile um, <laughs> and the special effects. Looks a bit roping. High, high def, high down, def though, does this no favours. Yeah, no, yeah I right. did write down, though, Derek Meddings was the special effects supervisor and we know his work from the Bond films. He was one of the key oh, Bond special effects guys. He was, yep. you know, Moonraker dude who created the, you know, the spaceship and all of that stuff and the very pow, cool. pow, 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 pow. So that makes like, sense. It makes a that, lot of sense. That made me more, um, you know, I was like, well, clearly Tim Burton, he got the good, you know, person. I thought that the movie got sillier and sillier near the end, like the whole final scene up on the clock tower with the Joker dancing around and and then pulling them over the edge and then stomping on the – that just seemed to go on. I don't know that a it film – It goes on for much longer than you remember. It's yeah. a yeah. big part of the clock. And, and and also like just getting everyone up to the top of that clock tower, they, they really draw that out. Yep. It's this big thing and there's shoes dropping down and then they drop a massive bell. And yes. then Commissioner Gordon, there's actually a shot of Commissioner Gordon like heaving against this bell like he thinks he can personally move <laughs> yes. it. Right. And then he's like frustrated and he's like, right, let's go. And all they can do is turn the searchlights on. And the searchlights are also animated, if you notice. They're yes, not real yes, they are, yeah. Searchlights. And all they can do is aim them at the top. And it's like, what? can't you get a chopper up there, guys? Yeah, isn't there? I mean, I mean. Like- there's these dirigibles floating around. Like, isn't there a police dirigible? Like, come on. Like, let's let's get it on. Get someone up there. Like, well, we'll just shine some lights on them until they inevitably fall to their death. <laughs> just, I don't know. Just, I was like, but maybe because it's a, just over two hours, this film. And I feel yeah. like I know that the Batman Adam West one felt weirdly long. I felt like this one probably could have been chopped by 20 minutes too. You're, you're, just, to, just, to bla- just to break in, Natalie, you're going to keep feeling that feeling um, yeah, as we go on. That's, that's not going to go away. That is not going to go away. It's like, well, it's a Batman movie. People are going to sit still for it. It's fine. <laughs> um, I do really like the relationship that develops between Michael Keaton and Vicky Vale. Oh, sorry, Bruce Wayne and Vicky Vale. It's so fast. She's like, I loved you since I met you. I was like, that was like three days ago. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, all of this happens, seems to happen very quickly. Can I ask a question, though? Like, they had sex, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. They definitely First had day. sex because it's yeah, – yeah, yeah, absolutely. I slept with you. I don't know why I did that. Uh, that that's true. Yeah, that's in dialogue. I, I guess just because afterwards he then hangs himself upside down like a bat. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> super weird. Actually, I've got a, I've got a thought here. Um, there's a possibility that they, they knew each other longer because it would have taken the Joker quite a while to get his Smilex stuff into all of those products. So there's a possibility there's a couple of months in the middle there where they were having a relationship oh, we just never okay. saw. I don't know that it, again, I feel like it's movie thing where they can move product at, at, you know, massive speed. Speaking of that Smilex stuff, though, I'd love and slightly, I don't know, I was kind of obsessed with the fact that it was like, oh, no, there's poison in the lipstick. Like, as you say, it's very (laughs) on brand for the Joker maybe, but coming in without that sort of knowledge of the Joker, I'm like, what a funny like. But I, what I loved about it, I think the funniest bit of the film for me was that there's like cutaway scenes of the newsreaders, like a new, because the old newsreader, yeah. the first one died, but the new lady newsreader and the man newsreader just like increasing, like 
increasingly unkempt. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> so she's got no hair or makeup. Her hair's frizzy. Her face is – and it's like just because you don't have a hair – dresser on set doesn't mean that you <laughs> yeah. don't like can't brush your hair because <laughs> it's weird yeah you, ha- you haven't run through a bush just and before you went on air and he's got like pimples or spots on his skin like big, carbuncles on his big, skin big spots but they cut they cut from that scene to the commissioner's office and harvey dent is pristine yes well i mean it's billy so, d come on it's billy d williams that was the other thing i was going to say isn't that Lando? <laughs> <laughs> I had no recollection of him being in this film. That's how poor Billy D. He um he's Harvey Dent. He's he's uh, yeah. uh, you know they they uh, they, they race race bended the the casting even back in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, which is which is great, but then he doesn't really have a lot to do. <laughs> he doesn't, and do you know why? Like they were going to have him turn into Two Face in the next movie. Yep, and then they just didn't bring him back. <laughs> yeah. That they cast him knowing that he was going to play Harvey Dent and that Harvey Dent eventually would be Two-Face. Yeah. So they wanted to establish him early and then they just Went didn't nowhere. cast him again in the second film. Yeah. Why didn't they bring him back for the third one? They they got Tommy Lee Jones. Then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Billy D. Williams, Tommy Lee Jones. Maybe someone got confused. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very good point. But, um, um, yes, oh, so the, the cosmetic stuff. I think schedule-wise it just seemed to happen so quickly. And all of a sudden, I feel like you could have at least gone, well, oh, so let's not use anything that we bought in the last week or so. Yeah, right. exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does seem to be able to take over TV at the most inopportune times, the old Joker. What else did I write? Yeah. So, so Vicky Vale and Batman, if I can just return to that, he tries to tell her at one point that he's Batman. Yeah. Like in a scene and then it's interrupted by the Joker. And so he almost has this moment of catharsis because Alfred's been telling him, you know, maybe she's the one. She's very special. I know you just met her, but she seems nice. And uh, maybe you should try trusting her with the truth that you're Batman. <laughs> and he goes to tell her, but he can't. And he's, he says, to it, and I, look, again, there are lots of things that I like, you know, my fantasy movie men to do. And, and sometimes it's to be soft and gentle. So like when, like after they first sleep together and he's like cuddling her, I was like, oh, my God. That's so beautiful. <laughs> he's just like holding her and she's just kind of snuggled into him and he's just like mm-hmm. protecting her. And I was like, oh, oh. Anyway, and then when she's all like, oh, you're just some jerk. And then he kind of sits her down and says, hey, you're a nice girl and I like you a lot. But right now you need to shut up. There's something I have to tell you. And I was like, oh, so bossy, so demanding. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm into it. <laughs> This is a very deep dive into Natalie's psychosexual yeah. development. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but I've been honest about that in all previous podcasts. True, I'm a complex woman. Sometimes I like snuggly. Sometimes I'm like, no, I want you to sit me down and tell me to shut up because you've got to tell me something because you like me a lot. What I'm saying is I'm complex and I shouldn't be treated like some kind of weird delicate flower because, you know, I can I can take a little more. I can take a lot of sunshine if you know what I mean. Um <laughs> Like a fla- please like a be flower. specific. Please like be very flower. specific. Like a flower takes. Yeah, it, it was a flower metaphor that I'm going for there. My point is I appreciated a little bit of like Bruce Bruce Wayne being kind of alternatively sort of tender and, oh, let Alfred tell you a story from my childhood and let me, you know, take you out of this crazy, weird, cold dining room and into the warm comfort of the kitchen. And, <laughs> you know, and then on the other hand, like, sit down, I've got to tell you something. And then not being able to tell her that he's Batman. And he's mouthing it and he's like, I'm Batman. Batman, like just get it out so and close. then later Alfred picks her up and brings her into the Batcave and he's there 
So then she obviously just knows. And I got quite angry at that. I was like, oh, they've denied us, the viewer, they've denied us the ability to see her reaction to finding out that he's Batman because Mm. that's kind of a big thing. That's like... That's like a really big moment to go, oh, wow, this guy that I've sort of fallen for, turns out that he's this, you know, other guy who kind of picked me up on a grappling hook and asked my weight. Turns out, same dude, (laughs) I'm kind of into him. How do I react to this? They denied us that. And I think that was probably a poor writing decision or however they wanted to do it. Well, yeah, I mean, they they centre it on his reaction and what it means for him. Yeah, and it's like, where was her reaction of finding out that, and I think they, from my memory, and we'll obviously, you know, see it next time, but when Michelle Pfeiffer finds out that he's Batman in the second one, like she gets the reaction or whatever. But I just, I felt like Vicky Vale got done over there. That should have been something we saw was her finding out instead of just obviously finding out from Alfred in the car on the way to the... Now, Miss Vale, I'm taking you to the Batcave. Why? Well, that's because Master <laughs> Wayne is Batman. And you just don't see... She could have been in the back of the cab going, I'm sorry, Alfred, what? Like, yeah. we just missed that. And I think that was an oversight, and I think that was that's probably, for me, one of the biggest flaws of, of the film. Yeah, I, I, I really hate that for, that for that reason and also for the more metatextual reason that, no, I don't want Alfred to be immediately showing random women into the Batcave. I don't want that to be a thing. Sexist. You know, I just, I just you don't men think. You know, and your freaking toys and. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Um, this is the patriarchy in action. The absolutely. bat cave is the the glass cave. You're keeping women out <laughs> of the glass. It's the glass cave in action. Hey, look, I'm happy for women to be in there. If if yeah. bat if bat woman or bat girl or you know any of the other female superheroes want to go in there, but just like the fact that Bruce shows some a tiny bit of interest in this one woman, and he's like, right, I'm telling her everything. I'm like, I don't, I don't totally love that. But I mean, it's kind of if you, if you if you take the whole, all the films as a as a whole, it is kind of putting a, a light towards the fact that maybe. Alfred knows he's dying. Oh, that's true. Did this version of Alfred, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, you kind of he kind of knows that like he doesn't have a lot of time left. Yeah. Mm. He still makes it a lot longer than Michael Keaton does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> I did hear a really interesting fan theory. Yes. In this world, after here the or events... create, Scott. Here or create. Here or create. No, no, I didn't create this. I didn't did not create this. <laughs> I'd love to take I'd love to take responsibility for this, but it's not mine. Um, but in this world, after the events of Batman returns, Batman goes away. Michael uh, Bruce Wayne stops being Batman and he sells his story and the preceding films the Schumacher blah, blah, blah films, he sold the story to Hollywood and they make those films. (laughs) That's quite fun. (laughs) And that's why they screw it up. Yeah. That fits quite nicely, actually. So what else did I have on my list? Oh, Alfred is great. Yeah, Michael Goff as as Alfred. Spectacular. Doesn't have a huge amount to do, but has just lovely moments. He's just a great character actor. And then finally on my list, I wrote, the bat signal (laughs) is really strong. Yes. It's really crisp. And it's on the street. Oh, yeah, it is too. It's at street level. I didn't realise that. Yeah, that's right. It's normally up on a building, isn't it? But no, the later films kind of make it murky, like it's shining on clouds and stuff and it's diffused, whereas this is like so crisp. And oh, sorry, I missed something. Bat plane flies up out uh, the of wing. the clouds in front of the moon to create the bat symbol. To create the bat signal. Why, why does that happen? It's why is he flying up out of the clouds? He's be, be, not because he's Batman, and he makes oh, the okay. bat sim- bat, makes the bat symbol. It wasn't yeah. necessary though. It was just there to be a cool. <laughs> cool <shot. laughs> 
There, there, are, there um, are so many instances in this movie of style <laughs> over substance, Natalie. Yeah. You're picking up on that one. Um, well, then this is the thing. So that bat signal is really crisp, right? Yep. So yes. what if we need him, give him a call. He sends a letter. <laughs> he sends a letter to them to go, if you need me, give me a call. How are we going to call him? With this bat signal. And the follow-up question from Knox should be, what happens if there's a crime during the day? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. As we discussed last week, this Batman does not come out during the day. No, no, he's not the bright knight. So, wouldn't you just, if you were a criminal mastermind, wouldn't you just shift all your opportunities <laughs> to the daytime? <laughs> True. Wouldn't you just start running guns in the day? Stealing you know, wouldn't cat you just statues. Go, yeah. Wouldn't you just go and have a nice, good seven or eight hours kip? Get back up to criming in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Crime during clearly, business hours. Yeah, Batman is clearly restricted in his work hours. You found his fatal flaw, Natalie. <laughs> yeah, the day. He only clocks on at sunset. <laughs> and also because the suit would look even worse by day. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that thing would look atrocious. <laughs> and imagine how much, how sweaty it would be in the daylight. It's a bit hot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. all black. It would heat up really quickly. Yes. And then the other thing I wrote down during our discussions, I realise that I've said most of them as, as we go on, um, there's a weird little, uh, like a Birdman reference at some point. The Joker Jun- calls him Junior Birdman. Bird. Junior, Junior Birdman. Bird yeah. And I went, oh, that's interesting, considering Michael Keaton went on to be Birdman in Birdman, sure. the movie. And a direct reference to this this movie. Yes, yes, yeah. where he played a superhero and he can't escape from him. Which I don't know. I feel like Michael Keaton kind of escaped Batman because he sort of vanished for years. Oh, so but I, I mean, can... like, you know, for, for, for a long time, this was his easily his most iconic role. It, it still is in many ways. But, yeah, oh, I think yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's kind of he's entered that, that old man phase of his career yeah. where he's playing, like, older men now. And I think that's sort yes. of given him a new life. Yeah. Now, this yeah. is some trivia that I do know. The Junior Birdmen was an organization in the States for – uh, kids interested in aviation. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And they built models and all that sort of stuff, and it was promoted by the Hearst newspaper chain. Oh. Right, okay. Around the time that Batman first kind of came out? or This was like in the 1930s, yeah. Cool. So nice. it's, not, it's not sexy, but it's interesting. Uh, yeah. It is interesting. <laughs> well, that sort of makes my list then. So what else is there to cover with this movie? This well, crazy, can, I, can, I give you, movie? can I give you my overarching hot take on this movie? And, man, I don't know whether uh, you, Natalie, <laughs> or you, Scott, will, will agree or disagree with this one. But Stu, I, all I yeah. ever want from you is the best of your hot takes. Fair enough. My hot take on this movie is that it's it's a iconic movie. It's a, very, it's a very good movie. I like it a lot. It's a great Tim Burton movie. It's kind of a bad Batman movie. It's a really yeah. good Joker movie, though. It's a great Joker movie. Um, oh. It's kind of a bad Batman movie because even though this is, for many people, it's the Batman movie, Batman kind of sucks in it and <laughs> also he kills a bunch of people oh, and, so and this is going to become a... This is going to become a running theme where the movies just are like, yeah, but it's boring if he like, you know, surgically and with cat-like yeah. precision takes out like a room of bad guys. What we want to do is have him blow people up, shoot Brutal- them. Brutalize them. Brutalize them and, and throw them off buildings and down corridors and stuff. He kills a lot of people in this movie. A whole building Yeah, he fall. does. Yeah, yeah, like just just lots and lots of people die at Batman's hand. Yeah. <laughs> at this movie, which feels like a misstep to me. Yeah, but a little bit. And I think it's because, and I've talked about this a little bit before, but it's fascinating to watch this movie kind of invent the modern superhero genre in the yeah. sense that this is still an action-adventure movie, you know, where 
you know, the hero kills the bad guys. Yeah. But superhero movies going forward will become more of that no killing sort of thing yeah. where well, the, the characters who are heroic will at least try not to kill people yeah, <laughs> as yeah. opposed to gleefully like in the climactic scene at the parade where Batman does like the strafing run with the Batwing. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to murder the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, he's shooting him and throwing like missiles at him. Yeah. He's, but he he's misses. just bad at it. He he's, misses. He's got like a full, you know, bullseye kind of like lock in system. Yes. And then nothing happens. Like yeah, exactly. He's just standing there. Because going, this yeah, Batman yeah, is yeah. not good at his job. <laughs> But yeah. also, he says in that final confrontation too, when he when he turns up to the Joker, he's like, "I'm going to kill you," and the Joker's yeah. like, "Woo!" <laughs> he literally says it. I'm going yeah. to kill you. You killed my parents. So that's the other thing I want to talk about. Sorry, Stu, did you have more with your hot take? No, no, no. That, that was just it. Like, just it's kind of a bad Batman film. Yeah, it's I a good that- film. I like it a lot, and it's iconic for many reasons. But it's kind of a bad Batman film. Yeah, I've got I've got one thing though, just to do with the deaths, the many deaths of the Joker's goons. There was a Red Dwarf convention a number of years back, and Mac McDonald, who was Captain Hollister in Red Dwarf, is mm. one of the Joker's goons. And oh, he right. said, he said, "I got killed eight times." <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. That's like when I went on the Game of Thrones tour in um, Belfast and they always have on the Game of Thrones tour that I went on, they're always hosted by um, people who've been on the show as extras mm. or cast in some way. And the guy running my tour had died seven times on Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> in different, like he died in the Battle of Blackwater like three times, three different awesome. times. And then, uh, yeah. But now a couple of things I, I wanted to mention and I've forgotten the first one. Oh, uh, what was it? That the Joker and Batman, their origins are linked? Yes, that's right. Their yeah. origins are linked. We, which, as a purist, can I, just, I, can I just say, I hate that, hate yes. that so Bullshit. much. Now, this is what I understand from Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast, is that the whole point of Batman's origin story, it was supposed to be a meaningless killing, a meaningless yes. robbery and killing yep. by someone who you don't know who it was. And that's the point. Yeah, that's right. And they've kind Is of that strayed right? from that. That yeah, but basically, like like the idea that like could have happened to anyone, and it happened to him, and he takes that tragedy and turns it into a quest to make sure that no one else ever finds themselves in that situation. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. because because Batman's going to be there to stop it. That's the driving force of the best versions of Batman. Is he wants to be there to stop any more ten year old kids' parents being murdered in alleys. That, that's yes. his whole deal. So I look, I didn't mind. I can see why they made Jack Nicholson responsible because of like story reasons. And well, yeah, reasons it's, it's and- what you do for a movie and, and yes. a movie where you don't really have this long-term goal in mind. You just have the movie, the, the single movie in front of you that you have to make make sense. And the, the easiest way to do that is to streamline everything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that the hero and the villain have a personal connection to each other, like a vendetta. Yeah. And you weren't necessarily thinking of sequels and all that sort yeah, of I stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of were in, in a way, but but yeah, you're right. Like, like they, they weren't thinking of, because he dies at the end of the movie again. Yeah. Like, I, I, and another yeah. huge misstep they that they kill him stop, off. They need to stop killing the villains. Yeah, they should. Put they, them they don't do Arkham it anywhere Asylum. near as much as what they what they used to do. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I didn't mind necessarily. I thought that the guy who played the young Jack Napier was yeah. crazy good. Yeah, as yeah. and Jack would Napier. have made a great Joker himself. 
with yeah. the freaky smile oh, and man, that rule. hairline. Like talk about stealing the show in like one tiny scene. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is the fact that this movie did me a bit of a, of a double take because when this, it starts with, you know, a mother and a father and their young son yes. walking yeah, out yeah. of a movie or a screening yeah. or something or, or a play, I'm not sure what it was, but walking down a dark alley. And for a moment I thought, oh, do we start this movie with the origin of Batman? I didn't, I can't remember. I, it's been so long. And then you hear him call Harold and the kid called Jimmy. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think they're the names. <laughs> What's going on? And then you realize, oh, they get, you know, attacked. And then Batman shows up not to help them at the time that they're being attacked for some reason. But Yes, again, them. bad at his job. Yeah, that is bad at his job. You're right. Yep. That is, he lets them die. He's, he's so literally be shot. That's literally the whole situation he was in. And he yeah. just lets it happen and then goes after the guys afterwards. Yeah, he, he's Maybe the revenge-driven his... Batman. Yeah, that's so weird. But I quite like the fact that it didn't start with the origin. The origin kind of happens in the middle of the story, yeah. like in the middle of the film. You, you get this sort of him having flashbacks to his – it adds to the mystique why Vicky Vale would be interested in him because he's got mystery and why is he going and laying roses outside this abandoned hotel. And Yeah, absolutely. Why. I, I like anyone... the placement of it. I thought that was, you know, quite good. Yeah, exactly. They, they they did that quite deliberately um, in the script writing process. They, they had a version of the script where you basically get the origin story up front, but they felt it was kind of like on the nose and, and they didn't want to do that. So they made it uh, in flashbacks so that it would inform character rather than yeah. just be a thing, which is a, a lesson that uh, future filmmakers could probably have learned from. Yes, um, yeah. Because as we've joked, like, so now we've seen how Batman became Batman and you're about to see it about 10 more times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> across this film series. Well, what's what's interesting about this time is they were drawing almost directly from the sequence in the in the graphic novel The Dark Knight Returns by yeah. Frank Miller. The, the stuff with the pearls, the stuff like, like the framing, everything is a direct lift from that book. Yeah, um, I think pretty much almost entirely uncredited until much, much later, certainly not in, in the in the credits. No. Was Batman's origins known from the start or was that something oh, yeah, yeah. later yeah. on? It was known from very early on. Like I think, you know, in, in his first appearance in Detective Comics, he's just yeah. Batman. But in Batman number one, they do his origin. Um, okay. They, they so, even mention it obliquely in the 66 Batman TV series as well. But only briefly in the very first episode. Yep. That they mention it very briefly and then they never deal with it because why would you? He's Batman. He's the bright knight. Like, yeah. yeah, that's it. Everything's turned knight. up peachy for him. That's it, exactly. He's living his best life. Yeah. He doesn't need um, to go into therapy and understand why he's doing these things. Exactly. He's, he's having a great time. So all the stuff with the pearls and the gun and everything like that, it's a direct lift from The Dark Knight Returns. And yeah. then because this film becomes so iconic, that's the version then that is forever etched. Like that's the version you're going to just keep seeing over and over and over again. It's the, they, the pearls, they even, the gun. They even reference it in Watchmen. One yes. of the superheroes in Watchmen saves the, the Waynes from being Yes, dead. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, what else? I think that's sort of everything from my perspective. Any other comments, Scott, as a, as a lifelong Batman fan? How do you still rate this film? Look, the, the film itself has a very fond place in my heart, but it is not a great Batman film. At the time, it was the most perfect Batman film that ever could have been been made. Yes. But the more you watch it, the more that you can see the holes, the more the, you can see the threads that you could pull on the, 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 the corner of it and, and unravel it. I think it makes a better Joker film and it could have been a good 25 minutes shorter. <laughs> yes. And Stu? I, I definitely like other Batman films more than this film as a Batman film, but it's also like I basically wore the, the VHS 
tape of this out yeah. that I had of it. Same here. You know, it, it's impossible to separate it from the nostalgia factor. I grew up with this film. I love it. it it's an incredible film. I, I, I love it unconditionally, except it's a very bad Batman film. We yeah. need to point that out multiple times. Yeah. Uh, well, and, think- and the Batman in this film... He's not good at his job. He's terrible. I think that the Batman film that I have that kind of same connection with is the next one, Batman Returns, because I think as opposed to this one, I was that little bit older because that's 92. I believe I did see that one in the cinemas and I I think I had it on tape or at least rented it a bit and I loved Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman and that explains a lot about me. Um, (laughs) You know, slightly too fanatically obsessed with Michelle Pfeiffer kicking ass in that film. And having lots of cats. She's and having good. lots of cats. I even forgot about the Catwoman thing. I was just thinking in terms of it being violent against men thing. She is the ultimate mother of kittens. <laughs> That's exactly right. Until, of course, Halle Berry came along in uh, Catwoman. Oh, God. <laughs> Should we do a sidebar episode where we watch Catwoman? Uh, no, absolutely not. Oh, really? I'm using my veto power right now. <laughs> although, although you could do a sidebar for the 1966 Batman movie porn parody. <laughs> yes, well... It wouldn't be our first trip at that rating. One of of the things that's interesting about the porn parody is they got a whole bunch of the people that did the um, art department stuff and the costume stuff for the original 66 Batman and they got them on board for the film. Um, (laughs) The guy playing the Joker grew his moustache out so so it would be under the makeup. Um, And there, (laughs) there is a PG version of it that you can get without the sex in it. Oh, for God's sake. And and it works as a Batman 66 episode. So hang on, what's it called? Um, I think it's like Batman, a porn parody. (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing. I should be. Look, (laughs) maybe we will. And the other one I would suggest is the animated film, The Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, that's on the list. We're, We're definitely doing that one. Good. Yes, I believe that sort of comes in between these um, 90s ones, doesn't it? The yes, Phantasm. yeah, yeah. So yes. We're, we're going to do, obviously, Batman Returns next, and then I think yep. we'll do Mask of the Phantasm after that because it's kind of mm-hmm. directly informed by those two films. It is Interesting. indeed, yeah. Oh, and then one more, one more. There is a fan film called Dead End. Yes. Um, which a guy did as a visual calling card of here's what I can make with $10,000. And it is probably my favourite portrayal of Batman live action on screen. <laughs> I can see why you would say that. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty spot on. Yeah. I haven't heard of that. So that's just what on YouTube or something, is it? No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, you can probably you can probably still find it on YouTube. It's just a it's a it's a fan film. Wow. I've got a very high quality fan film. Gentlemen, it has been a joy discussing this film for you. I really enjoyed it. Like I haven't seen it for so long, probably yeah. 20 years plus since I've seen this film. So it was a delight. I yeah. there was so much I'd forgotten ever happened. So, yes, I had a ball. And uh, thank you very much for joining me. Do we have any final words of wisdom? Oh, keep an eye out on the new Flash film because apparently Michael Keaton will be back as Batman. Wait, what? In the the Flash film Flashpoint, but Michael Keaton is on the list. But he's like 60 now. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? Well, there's oh, also, also there's also talk that he could come back as like a Batman Beyond style yeah. thing, which for anyone who doesn't know, Batman Beyond was a, a cartoon that featured in the, in the near future where there was old Bruce Wayne and then he was training up like a new younger Batman. Yep. In the future, oh, like oh. like in Zorro, kind of, yeah, yeah, a little bit like yeah, that. Yeah, Antonio Banderas. Uh, so Banderas. yeah, but basically, there's been a lot of uh, excitement that they might be sort of backdooring that in, maybe. Yeah, uh, which oh, would no. be quite cool. The Batmobile has been seen on set. The '89 Batmobile has been seen on set. Ah, What's cool. What's going on? 
What's going on? That's is that the flash? Cool. Is that like the Flash movie? Like the Flash from the? Yeah, I think it's Ezra Miller. Correct. Yeah, he's he's the dude who was in the the, the cut. Yeah, the in the cut. in the Snyder uh, movies. Yeah. Which I still yeah. haven't watched. Oh, Sorry, we'll get there. I, you will. I've, I've watched the first hour and uh, forgotten it, so I'll have to go back again. <laughs> That's going to be a hell of a week when we finally get to that one. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, in that case, it's time to wrap up this podcast. We have gone on probably far longer than anyone needs to about Batman 1989. Uh, thank you, Scott, for joining us. You can thank find you. Scott on Twitter at – are you Baron Von Borg on Twitter? I am or Baron Von Borg, yes. And that's Instagram as well, I think, too. Of I course, so, yes. if you're on Twitter, hit up at Disco Stew. He's not here to advertise, but I will for him. Uh, and I am at Girl Clumsy, and you can call in anytime uh, on Twitter using those hashtags. And we had a lovely response to the first episode of Raven Bat, the uh, 1966 Adam West film. We did. Uh, which is lovely. It's been really nice hearing people hopefully are excited to hopefully this one won't put them off with its length <laughs> deep dives. But that's why I leave the psychosexual stuff in, so at least people can walk away going, that Natalie's a freak. Um <laughs> Uh, yes, if you are one of my patrons, thank you so much. You're amazing. It's been a time. Mm. And people who are on my Patreon are just the best. Thank you. You will never know how much it means. And you can join in, patreon.com slash girlclumsy. If you are interested in Batman and want to chuck a dollar or two my way, you're very welcome. But obviously it's also really tough times. And if you can't and you need to stop or that's totally fine too, please don't feel like you owe me anything except hopefully – a chuckle, a smile, and maybe, you know, a tweet. You can also find us facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne. Yes, just to call in, tweet us, tell us about your Batman loves and hates, and we'll get to all the films eventually. Stu is curating the watch list, which means we will be back next, I believe, with Stu. We will return with Batman Returns. Ah, I like it. I like it. Stu there. Yes. And so, as we always end this podcast, <laughs> or at least we will do, uh, I'll see you same bat time, same bat channel. Bye. 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 Bye.